Attorney Show is brought to you by Johnston Group, Vittorio Rossi, Trans Canada Brewing, Lou Ferlin, Cambrian Credit Union, and Homefield. Hello, everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weaver from Sportsnet. Together we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post-game show after a game that has left me looking through my phone and all the messages, like ding, 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 this phone just keeps going off and off and off. Why? It's it's all the apology messages. It's all, all you folks out there who got so worried about the Jets not making the playoffs, all you folks who consistently called me out on my take that the Winnipeg Jets were going to make the playoffs. I appreciate, I appreciate that you are able to stand up, hold your hands up and say that you were wrong in a situation and that all this undue heat you've been raining down on Rennie over the last couple of months when he has told you just sit back and relax and get ready for the playoffs. I'm glad that you finally come around. I think there may be one or two of you out there that are still worried that they're going to miss the playoffs. I'm expecting to get a couple late night messages from you. Uh, I'm just saying, come back to reality. It's a great place to live. Uh, the, the, you you should check this out because the Jets are about to go to the playoffs after a game in which they finally beat the Minnesota Wild uh, on this season. Um, is it is it a Picasso? Uh, is Picasso the one that's kind of like weird lines and messy? So maybe it was a Picasso. This is a Connor Hellebuck special. This is an absolute theft by Connor Hellebuck on this night. I'm okay with it because the last time the Winnipeg Jets and the Minnesota Wild played, the Jets were the better team. Minnesota Wild came away with the win. The Winnipeg Jets returning the favor on this night. We'll dig into it. Uh, there's lots to talk about when it comes to the way they scored their goals. Lots to talk about about the way they were pressed by the Minnesota Wild as the game went on. I hate talking about the refing, but I'm going to love talking about it on this night. It's a night where we should be talking about that. Uh, so much to get into here. Uh, and hey, I'd love to get into it with Ken, but he's going to be a while. Uh, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call an audible. I'm going to bring in the hammer because uh, Hammer is maybe one of those people I haven't checked. Maybe one of the messages in my phone will be from Hammer himself, uh, who also was trying to take Rennie on for his take that the Jets are going to the playoffs. So let's bring him on in here. Time to bring in the Hammer, everybody. Bring in <laughs> there's the guy uh boy oh boy i always say ken's got the best music in the business i have to say i think sean's headband is right there with it i have to say bringing totally. the hammers right in there with it that absolutely rocks uh that third. is yeah i don't think I, I i won't even rank them i refuse to rank them i honestly think they are sitting there they're triple peaks that are sitting right there at the same altitude absolutely great stuff you are down there. What was it like in that building tonight, Hammy? Because uh, it felt like the crowd was juiced, the players were juiced, everyone was juiced. What were you seeing? It's funny you say that, man, because it had a very... I don't even know. I'd almost say calm atmosphere for a while. like Almost like boring for the first couple periods because the, the Wild had nothing to cheer for. 
In fact, you know, I, I thought the Jets, you know, I thought they were outplayed in the opening 20 minutes, um, but still left the period up to nothing. I think that was the best possible thing they could have done as far as the crowd noise goes, because by the end of the second period, now it was funny, there's about four minutes remaining in the second period where the, the, the wild fans like started to kind of get out of their seats and get a little bit more up. And then by the time that period ended, they were booing the wild off the ice. So it was, it was almost kind of a hilarious turn in 40 minutes. And then the, the wild looked like a completely different team to start the third period. And we all saw what happened there. They give the pushback, the fans get something to, to cheer for. And then by the end of the game, that's exactly what playoff hockey was, is going to look like. I mean, you know, I, I know a lot of people don't love fighting and, and whatever. I mean, I don't find myself in that category. I think that's part of the emotion of the game. Um, you know, it's certainly certainly lessened over the years. Anyways, uh, by the end of the game, I think you got a sneak peek of exactly what playoff hockey is like. Um, players sticking up for, for teammates, uh, you know, obviously fighting for that goal minute. You know, Appleton's essentially extinguished, uh, extinguished the, the, any chance of a comeback, but that didn't stop the bad blood from flowing. And that's exactly what you want to see at this time of the year, see that kind of emotion. So I thought overall, um, well, not like an crazy, crazy impressive game for some reason, certainly a good game for the Winnipeg Jets. And ultimately, I saw some of the comment, comments here. Um, a whiteout is coming. The Jets finally did it. Sean, stand up. Take a bow. You called it, man. You called it. You called the Jets making the playoffs. I can't even believe how crazy that was. But, man, you must have been freaking out because – Everything heading into that game was stacked against the Jets. And I think that's what was most impressive about all this was the fact that, you know, Minnesota Wild did everything to stack the deck in their favor by by sitting guys yesterday against a lowly Blackhawks team. Um, but it didn't work. And and kudos to the Jets. Credit to certainly credit to Connor Hellebuck. We'll get into that. But man, I mean after what's been pretty much playoff hockey for this team for the better part of a month, maybe even more, uh, the Jets finally did it. They did, it. <laughs> you know, as I as I led my story today, being a Winnipeg Jets fan is not faint, faint uh, is not for the faint of heart because the fans have been on a wild ride, uh, wild ride to you know this last month and a bit. And I'll end the buffet by saying, you know, um, you know. Congrats to the fans, too, because I think they've been holding on for a while. And while some, you know, some certainly had the right not to believe, here we are, uh, you know, game away from from getting to where it matters and the Jets getting an opportunity to fight for Lord Stanley. So I, I have to say, uh, I feel like your take is a little too rosy when it comes to this game. You know, like give, giving a lot of credit to the Jets on a night where, you know, basically if Connor Hellebuck isn't superhuman, that they lose this game pretty evidently. Look, I'm uh, Mr. Buzz Killington, man. So, like, I didn't want to come on to the game where the Jets, the Jets, you know, we can get into some of the finer details of the game, but let, you know, look, it's been such a disaster ride, essentially, for for the fans, an emotional ride, that to just punch their ticket in, I mean, yeah, was it a great game for the Winnipeg Jets? Absolutely not. They were shooting 50% in the opening 20 minutes. You know, that wasn't going to last, and they got a lot of help from the post and a hell of a lot more help from Connor Hellebuck, but I just didn't want to come out flying and talk about, uh, you know, and just give it, give the fans a little bit of like, Hey, you know, there's going to be a whiteout party, you know, come, come the next week or so. So 
Well, I'll say this. I was going to come out to the Macho Man's uh, entrance music and maybe put on like my robe and kind of do the twirls and stuff like that in celebration of uh, my playoff prediction being right. So I might as well be the guy. If you don't want to do it, I'll jump off the top rope with the elbow. Uh, The Winnipeg Jets... the way I look at it here, Survive. you got to give them you got to give them a ton of credit for what they did down the stretch here against teams like the San Jose Sharks and against team like the National Predators. I think that the Winnipeg Jets, if you take a look at their roster and if the Jets play a specific <coughs> way, a team like San Jose can't can't beat the Winnipeg Jets. Puck luck, hot goaltenders, all those different kind of things. If the Winnipeg Jets play the way that their roster can play against a team like the San Jose Sharks, none of that stuff matters, okay? They can play to a level that San Jose can't get near. Why? Because the San Jose Sharks is filled with AHL caliber players uh and and they just they simply can't get there right the reason the winnipeg jets are going to the playoffs is because they were able to do that against teams like that um when the calgary flames weren't right like the calgary flames down the stretch all the teams that they were supposed to beat they were duking it out with them the entire time even when they went on that four game winning streak every game was a come from behind victory against a team that it really shouldn't have been like that that's the kind of thing that will take you down I've been saying this for a long time because I've suggested that the math is going to take the Winnipeg Jets to the playoffs. What I've been watching, what I've been looking out for is them getting towards a playoff style of game. We saw that at least against the less capable teams in the, the San Jose Sharks, uh, the, the Nashville Predators. Before that, you know, the Detroit Red Wings and teams that came in tired. They did what they needed to do against those teams. And how they did that is they just poured it on and reached a level the other teams couldn't reach and then just overwhelmed those teams, bowled over them, didn't give them the puck. We're just absolutely dominant. What I needed to see and need to see going forward is how the Winnipeg Jets do against a team that they just can't raise, you know, a team that can also raise their game that high, right? Because what we saw from the Jets over the last little while is a team that really never had their dominance or their momentum disrupted because they got to the top of their game and those other teams just couldn't follow. This is the first time in a while... I guess the Calgary game is another example of it, but this is the first time in a while that we saw the Winnipeg Jets with a team that was able to meet their intensity, meet their speed, meet that kind of overwhelming style of play. And what I take away from it is, yes, the Winnipeg Jets win this game and you want to give them credit. We'll get into how they scored. The goals that they scored are legit goals. This isn't a puck luck thing. The Jets got their goals in an honest fashion. So that's something we have to take a look at. But if you, this is a night where it's not quite as many saves, but this is like the New York Rangers night. The Winnipeg Jets needed Connor Hellebuck to be superhuman to win this game. They wouldn't have won this game if he was not superhuman. You can't go into the playoffs saying, great, this is our game. When we get up this high against this other team, we give them the first period, even though they scored the two goals, that period, the better team was the Minnesota wild. And the third period where the Minnesota wild were the better team. You can't give a team two periods like that, allow them breakaways and slot shots and wide open nets over and over again. You can't do that and expect to win. So this 
the first challenge the Winnipeg Jets had against a playoff caliber team that could do some damage. I don't think they got hit there tonight, so they need to use the next game, and I don't think they will. They're probably going to rest some guys. I take a look at the Winnipeg Jets falling short of what you want to see from them heading into the playoffs, whereas teams like the Edmonton Oilers, the Colorado Avalanche, the list goes on and on. Take a look at what they've been doing, not just in the last little while, but for weeks now. They are heading into the playoffs with a game absolutely predicated on them knowing their identity and carrying out that identity. This, to me, is a mid-season Winnipeg Jets game where they go out, get outshot 15-3 to in the first period and somehow find themselves up 2 nothing. carry that lead behind a phenomenal performance by their goaltender and squeeze it out. This is not the blueprint that is going to get them success in the playoffs. So I need to see them look good against a capable team like the Minnesota wild before I can get on board to the idea that this team has turned things around and is about to do something special. Just a quick response there, Jeff, because uh, yeah, we need to bring May man. And yeah, no, just a quick response to that. I agree with everything you said. And if you would have caught my, my hit with hustler earlier today, I wasn't sold on the last two games either. I mean, I, 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 in no way is am, am I looking at the Winnipeg Jets as some as some team that's found their identity and has has played a solid game. I mean, they played some good games in that homestand, no doubt about it. But they played against a team, they played against a team in the San Jose Sharks that they that the Sharks shouldn't even be in the same universe as this as this as this team on paper. They played against yeah. the Nashville Predators team that yeah. How gutsy are the Predators and, and the and the uh, AHL club essentially that they've become? That's impressive stuff. But the Jets, you know, they won two nothing. It was it was a good win. It was an important win, but it was by no means this selling point that the Jets are still incredible underdogs. I guess my point is is that I think a lot of people thought that the Winnipeg Jets were going to come into XL Energy Center, one of the rowdiest buildings in the NHL, and get pummeled. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, I, like, like I, I, I never thought that. I never, never thought, thought that. that. Like, I never thought that. No, this was and, and we had we had this conversation. Like, I, we had this conversation in the stands before the Sharks game, or sorry, after the Sharks game. I, I thought all along that the Jets were going to punch their own ticket. I was very confident they were going to get. Oh at yeah, least you one called it a long time ago. But like, what do you mean? You, you thought that they were going to come into mini when many? Well, we said this. You and I had this conversation of their top line, and they're they're like pretty much sat. Their best players for to set up for this game. You thought that they were. You thought that they were going to come in and punch their ticket in this game. Like you thought they were going to win. I, I, I didn't say that. Overtime? I didn't say or that. Did you think they if were going to beat Colorado on Thursday. No, I, 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 I had said that I thought, uh, and we had this conversation and Ken had it and we're going to bring him in right away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'll just get this out of the way quick here. The conversation I had at that time, I know there was a lot of people who were looking and saying, you know what? The Calgary Flames are going to beat the National Predators. Then they're going to beat the San Jose Sharks. Then the Jets are going to have to find a way to get a single point in those last two games. And they're going to get blanked by those two teams. I said at that time, I think the Jets find a way to get one point out of one of those games I, I didn't I, I didn't know if it was going to happen tonight I just had faith that they were going to get a single point out of one of those games uh 
because in the end, I thought what we'd seen from them is we saw them raise their level to where it needed to be against bad teams to ensure themselves a chance. I think there's enough on this roster with its ability to score, with its ability to steal games by their goaltender, you know, just good old fashioned puck luck. I had thought that the Winnipeg Jets, especially the way that they'd been playing and being up to speed, they weren't going to be pushovers. And I still, I don't think there'll be a pushover against the Colorado Avalanche, which gives them a chance to be in the game towards the end of it, which means it gives them a chance <clears throat> to potentially put a po- uh, up a point in that game. Um, <clears throat> and the fact that you're playing to that, right? If they would have gone in, if they would have lost here tonight and that scenario had played out and they went against the Colorado Avalanche and they were down 3-2 going with 10 minutes left in the third, you can play that knowing you need that single point. So maybe you pull the goaltender at six minutes left or something like that. I don't know how you do it, but you're playing for a single point, which I do think gives you an advantage. Anyways, uh, I don't want to get too far down that rabbit hole because we got to bring in the man with the best music in the business, even though I've already said it. I I say that, but right there. Those are the trifecta. Those are the three holy trinities of uh, Winnipeg sports. All over the place. uh, Music. Bring in Kenny. Nah, let's bring in Kenny. Kenny, I've taken a little bit of a peek at you here as uh, you've been waiting in the green room. Sorry to make you wait so long. I saw you shaking your fist, and I thought we better get him in here. Someone's going to pay the price. You look good, my friend. You look so good, I would vote for you. I don't even know what I'm voting for. recognize that tie, buddy? Is is that a – well, that's – I can tell you that if it's a Sean – it's yeah. not a Sean Loner, Sean Loner. It's a Sean Giver, and that <laughs> means that it's a Frankie special, is what that is. Uh, no doubt, looking like a million bucks here tonight. You too, Jeff. Uh, I can't, I can't speak for Jeff, uh, but I can speak for Ken and say that Ken's looking good here tonight uh, because of one thing, and that's Frankie and the boys down at Vittorio Rossi on Corden Avenue. If you want to look like Kenny and Rennie, don't look like Kenny right now. Maybe I could get you a hat that looks like this, but uh, forget about everything else. If you want to look like Kenny looks on this night? Head down and see Frankie and the boys. Uh, Victoria Rossi on Corden Avenue. They'll do you up right. Make sure you tell them Kenny and Rennie sent you. Ken, your thoughts on a game uh, we've kind of shared here. Uh, I, th- I think Jeff and I are pretty close on the same uh, page here. But what did you take away from that one? Yeah, a super interesting game. Jets very tentative early. Didn't really have much going in terms of <laughs> puck handling or... Rick Bonus actually kind of chuckled after the game, saying they couldn't even complete a 5-10 foot pass at the beginning. Uh, then, to no surprise, uh, I'm not sure if he said it to pump his own tires yet. I don't think he has, so I'll do it for him. Uh, Jeff looked at me and said, this is the line. The Lowry line is going to be the line. That sets the tone for the Jets. And moments later, there was Adam Lowry delivering a goal after a Nino Niederreiter shot was blocked in the crease. And I love that on a number of levels, mostly because Mason Appleton said after the game yesterday that the, that line was pissed off for giving up a goal in the first 20 seconds and that they were going to clean that up in what could be a clinching game for them. 
And that's exactly what they did. Oh, and by the way, that line also delivered the insurance marker after things got incredibly dicey for the Jets when they sat back in the third period. So uh, that's what I saw on that front. I, I saw Mark Scheifele go to the blue paint again. And lo and behold, there's the puck landing on his stick after it goes down the back of of Jonas Brodeen. So much like we saw the night before, the Jets getting their goals in the hard areas. And that's how they're going to have to win in the playoffs if they want to do something in the playoffs. In terms of what this means in the grand scheme of things, I think we're going to see a massive exhale for the Jets. What that leads to, I have no idea. Does that lead to a first-round upset? Does that lead to five games or six? I'm not sure. But what I do know is that there have been signs of the Jets team that has the team previously disguised as the Winnipeg Jets back in January. Are they there clicking the way that they were? No, absolutely not. Do they have some of the same qualities that they exuded during that time when they were battling for first in the Central and the West? Yes, they do. Now, Sean, to your point, can they find that elevated game against the the Vegas Golden Knights, the Colorado Avalanche, or the Dallas Stars, or the Edmonton Oilers, the Edmonton whoever comes? So that game is tied late in the third here. So can they do that against one of those teams? That we're not going to know for a few days. What Overtime. I would count, what I would say, Sean, my only counter to what you're saying about Thursday, I don't think that Thursday's game is anything other than a glorified exhibition game. And I'm exactly. not saying the Jets are going to treat it that way, but we're not going to know if the Jets have another level from the one that we saw during this last five of six stretch until, until game, game one. one of the playoffs, yeah. right? So is that a rolling the dice situation to some degree? Absolutely. But what it also is, is a reminder. What we got during this last three-week stretch, two-week stretch, was a reminder of what having an elite-level goaltender does for a hockey team. And that factor is even more raised when the Stanley Cup playoffs begin. Connor Hellebuck is playing like one of the best goalies in the world. And that will mean the Jets have a chance no matter who they play in round one. Does that make them the prohibitive favorite? Absolutely not. Does that give them some signs of a potential underdog type of team? Sure. But now it's up to them to elevate to another level to see where things go from there. But I see a lot of qualities from the Jets that that are translatable to the playoffs but there still are some areas of improvement and we will dig right into those because Jeff and I have been discussing some of these things throughout the course of the hockey game as we sat beside one another up here in the press box at Excel Energy Center. Okay before you get to that uh, oh and the Oilers going four on three in the overtime right now Uh, so they've got the advantage over the avalanche right now Um, before you do get to that Ken let's uh, get to the lamplighter of the game you know what I'll ask you Jeff because Ken just rude host just to eat oh you're ready you want it you you don't know Jeff can go we have no we have a guest we have a guest here go ahead yep we have a guest Jeff you go. I, you know, I was about to say because, as you so eloquently put, Kenny, about me calling that third line, you know, saying the tempo. I've, I've, there's part of me that wants to, to jump on that opening goal, but do it. Let's, I, I'm not gonna. Like, I mean, it could be a got you covered, whatever. I think that's gonna save for some other more physical stuff. But like, until Appleton put that puck in the back of the net, I mean, fair. I did not think that this game was 
was in in a good situation for the Winnipeg Jets. So I'm, that's got to be mine right now. Um, just, you know, Mason Appleton doesn't score a ton of goals. So for him to have back-to-back games with back-to-back goals, that's the, uh, that's the lamplighter for me. What do you got, Ken? Well chosen. Uh, I was going to start with the Lowry goal, but for me it's got to be the Shifley goal because it's the game winner. Uh, we talked about the tempo setting and, and all of that is important, but uh, at a time where we have discussed Mark Shifley plenty on this show, we discussed him plenty during the nine-game goalless streak, and now it's time to talk about him as he's put together four goals and seven points in the last six games and notched his 10th game winner of the season on a season where he has 42 goals and counting. Mark needed to elevate his game. Is he at the peak of his game? Not quite yet, but he has elevated considerably. And if the Jets want any chance of advancing beyond round one, they're going to need Mark Scheifele to be one of their best three players. And tonight, I would say he was one of those best three players. And because of that, his game-winning goal is my choice for the lamp later, brought to you by the good folks at TransCanada Brewing Company. I'm going to go in a totally different direction than both of you and go with the first goal. That's there you go. Good. We all we have, have to, different lamp We put it on a tee for you, Sean. Um, I, I felt like there was a little bit more puck luck involved in Mark Scheifele's sure. goal. Oh, ter- but, totally. but let's say he he's going to the right place. Like That's that's the one reason I think that's a, a good thing. I thought the uh, the the uh, Mason Appleton goal is a little bit of a score effects goal. I think that that kind of goal doesn't necessarily hap- happen in the playoffs. Um, the way that that's one happening. goal game, yeah, man. It's goal. not score effects. One goal game. Well, they're just taking a risk at the top of the uh, on the blue line that I don't think they would typically take. I think they would have gave the blue line up if it was a different situation. Look, at that stage of the game, they're sitting there and they're thinking we're probably playing for second place here. If it's slipping away on us, it slips away on us. Whatever, we're going to be either in second or third. There, I Fair. think that. The, the, the exactly fact that Kevin right. Stenland is there and you are trying to engage Kevin Stenland and out-muscle Kevin Stenland on the blue line with no one behind you, it's not the right play. I don't think it's the play that they would have made had it been a different situation. That first goal, I just what I like about it is it starts with the Josh Morrissey move where he just basically yeah. shakes his player and opens everything up. But what I love is just the waves that the Jets keep going to the net with the you know that the, the shot by Niederreiter ends up right on the stick of Adam Lowry because they're both closing and they're both going to the hard ice they're both going to the right place looks like one of those goals that it's like you know there's a puck luck involved in that just the same as there is with the Mark Shifley goal but it, it's the kind of luck that you make for yourself and it's Adam Lowry leading the charge uh, and I do think it's the other part of this is the Winnipeg Jets know down the stretch here one of the, if you want to look what's gone right for them other than their schedule other than them playing a little bit better other than Connor Hellebuck's game coming to it together a little bit better the one thing that's gone right for them is they've stopped allowing the other team to score first so going out and getting that goal first really allowed them to kind of lay the night out the way that they wanted it to. Uh, so that's my take on it. Uh, that is my lamplighter on the night, brought to you by our friends at Transcanner Brewing. If you want to agree with Jeff, if you want to agree with Ken, if you want to agree with me, if you want to get crazy and go over and choose the wild goal on the night, I'm not going to stop you from doing it. You do what you want, because as long as you share your lamplighter with us, you are automatically entered to win a frosty, delicious eight-pack of lamplighter amber ale brought to you by our friends at Transcanner company the absolute nectar of the gods if you can't wait for kenny and rennie and on a night like this hammy to 
send you your free eight pack of uh, beer while head on down to TransCanada Brewing Company. Join them in their tap room at 11290 Keniston, where they've got great beers, great food, and we're going to have some great times there at the Kenny and Rennie Year Ender Bender, where you will see one <laughs> Jeff Hamilton uh, there that night. He's uh, already locked up his ticket a long time ago. He knows what he's doing. Like I said, we've got the reserve list going on here. I'm thinking out of 250 people, some people are not going to be able to make that address or that date work whenever that date happens. So get on the reserve list. The earlier you're on it, the earlier your name gets called if people can't take those tickets. Uh, and absolutely, uh, we are going to have a heck of a time, uh, and I'm really looking forward to it. And it is time now for me to announce the Lamplighter winner from our last show, uh, and that would be M.E. M.E., you are on the clock. You know what to do. Direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds. Send me your full name and send me an email address where I can send you your voucher for a frosty, delicious eight pack of Lamplighter Amber Ale brought to you by our friends at TransCanada Brewing Company. Ken, Let's move on. I let Jeff start last time. You start with the Johnson Group got you covered play of the game. Uh, paddle save, Hellebuck. There, there yeah. is no other choice. I mean, we, we, we'll talk about the fights and everything else later on. <laughs> save is ridiculous. It is yeah. nothing short of ridiculous. Uh, the fact that Matt, Matt Zuccarello did the right thing in trying to basically wait to improve his angle, and all it did was allow Hellebuck to get his stick down. Hellebuck actually laughed about it afterward when I asked him about it. He he basically was like, it's hard to describe. I'm like, for, for non-goalies, what is it like when you throw your stick in desperation and the puck, and you feel the puck hit it? And hang on a second. Let, let, his quote to me is, is hilarious. His quote is right here. It's hard to describe. You're really just giving yourself a chance at it. When you feel it clean, you know it's coming out the other side and to be ready for whatever is going to ensue. A Nick feels different than catching it clean. And he said, it's hard to rank them. But then he smiled and is like, that one felt pretty good. I'll tell you that. And it's just an absurd save. And Hellebuck, there were a couple crazy scrambles. Jeff and I are looking at each other. There's one scramble. Kaprizov hits the side of the post. Then he hits the other post right after Connor Dewar had a wide open net. Hellebuck just extends enough so that Dewar has to change his angle, and that chance goes off the post. Uh, He was exceptional in this hockey game. Mark Scheifele called him the obvious MVP and said this performance should have won him the Norris Trophy. Sorry, that's not a subtle shot, Sean. That was just what Scheifele said. I'm just... just, The Vezda Trophy. Don't blame the... The Vezda Trophy. Yeah, but he also said he was the Jets' MVP. By a, a substant or whatever the quote right. was. Right. I'm just I'm just saying you said the Norris trophy. I oh, thought, I'm sorry. The maybe, Norris was yes, I thought so. that maybe your cross promotion you know, there. Cross promotion. It was a Fro- <laughs> it was a Freudian slip where your two yeah. thoughts came out because you were talking oh, about the yeah. Norris trophy win. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, by far the defenseman on the team for sure, Josh Morris. Where where do you gotta go with uh, your your take on the gotcha covered uh, play of the game, Jeff? Yeah, it's hard to top Connor Hellebuck, obviously. Another stellar evening for him. You can even give credit to the post there for a little bit for helping him out too, but goalie will always tell you that the angles they give they allow for the perfect amount of room so the post doesn't even count as a shot anyways I'm going to Adam Lowry I know some people have already been putting you know his name in here I think this guy is you know I mean to go the what 35 games without a goal to now be playing the way he's playing now and and he's always a guy that 
that if he wasn't chipping in offensively, he was doing something to impact the game in some way, whether it was penalty killing, whether it was physical play, whether it's dropping the gloves. And I just think he is, I think he is the guy who's making a case to be the captain of this team when they make a decision. Now, obviously, we, we look at a guy like Josh Morrissey, certainly leadership skills and stuff, and too, and he's probably going to get it. But Adam Lowry, I think, exhibits everything uh, Jets fans want out of their team, and I think we saw that again tonight. I mean, he gets the he gets the guys going, scoring that goal. It's not just an individual effort, obviously, a little bit of puck luck to bounce to him, but he finishes, sets the tempo in the game. Then is that you know is on the penalty kill the one goal that they score on the power play. Guess who's in the box? Seventeen. Yeah. Um, and then at, obviously at the end of the game, I, I mean. I, I don't love the idea of him fighting Ryan Reeves at the end of the game, but at the, but but you know what? Don't put if seventy five is going to go out there at the end of the game, someone's got to answer the bell. That's a message being sent from Minnesota, and he answered the call. And I mean, took a, a hit or two. Ryan Reeves is incredibly tough. Took a hit or two, but then gets the takedown. So Adam Lowry, number seventeen, is my uh, is my my guy's got you covered. He's had this team covered for quite some time, even during the down stretches the Cubs had over the last couple months. Uh, I, I want to talk about that. I think you, I think you're really onto something here. Uh, but I just want to make sure that we give a shout out to the Kenny and Rennie OGs at the Johnson group. You won't find two businesses with the same challenges, but you will find 30,000 businesses with Chambers plan employee benefits proudly administered by our friends at Johnson group. Chambers plan is Canada's number one plan for employee benefits because it involves with the way you work and live. The plan is run as a not-for-profit designed specifically to support small businesses and its unique pooling strategy keeps rates stable so you won't have any surprises at your next renewal. Chambers Plan now comes with professional consulting on key financial, legal, and HR issues, and teledoc telemedicine services are included with every health option. See how Chambers Plan can benefit your business by visiting chamberplan.ca. So we got to go deeper into uh, Connor Hellbuck because that performance was just absolutely sublime. But I want to go down the road that Hammer was just talking about when it comes to Adam Lowry, the idea of him potentially being the next captain of this team, I will say this. Um, I don't think that there's anyone on this team that has been more integral in the turnaround that we've seen from the Winnipeg Jets than Adam Lowry. Um, and if, if I'm right on that, that is the guy that you want to be leaning on as a captain. Now, I do think that it's going to end up being Josh Morrissey. I think Josh Morrissey is right there. Um, I think you usually go with the more skilled guy. I think you go with the guy that you've got locked down longer. So I actually don't think that this is a competition. I think it's going to be Josh Morrissey. But I've got all day for the argument that it should be Adam Lowry based on everything that you said there, Jeff, and more. Uh, Ken, do you have time for the argument that Adam Lowry has proven that he should be if they were you know, if everything was even, if you were just taking the guy who most exemplifies the captain on your team, uh, do you have time for the argument that Adam Lowry is the Jets' next captain? Well, I mean, my choice from the beginning of the year is Josh Morrissey. I think Adam would, would make a very good captain on many teams, including this one. But uh, I'm going to flip this into another lane. I think that because you have two capable captains, why not just stay with three alternates next year? Mm. Because interesting, if you make Lowry the captain, do you run the risk of not alienating Josh Morrissey? But do you run the risk of? And, I, and this is not a personal feeling. You're alienated I mean, by someone else getting the C. You were in a good seat to begin with. 
Oh, and that's totally fair, Jeff. I'm just saying that they're both worthy. So if if one oh, is not, both, yeah, if I'm, one is I'm not just, distinguishing I'm just adding the, to the conversation because of oh no no for sure. And I just think that my my point is is where it's working for them the way it is. So do you even have to name? Is it, it working for them? This team well, had almost one okay, of the Sean, most near Sean, epic collapses we've ever seen. If we seen just in the said NHL they're both were if they're both worthy captains, what is our rush to make one the next captain over the other if they're both good choices? Go like the local so, double uh, day team and have one C during the away games and one C during the home games. I'll say sorry, sorry, I'll I'll go Jeff, back to this. Josh is Josh is no Josh is gonna be the next captain if there's going to be a captain named. I think that in many cases, Adam would be a great captain. But you've already, in the NHL, the majority of captains are players that are 20-plus minute game players. Adam is a very important player in this team. But for all the reasons that you laid out at the very beginning, Sean, Morrissey is under contract for longer. He's a higher, this is a guy who's going to be up for for a league trophy. So it's hard to say that the guy on the checking line is more deserving than the guy playing 25 minutes a game and putting up 76, 77 points. Uh, Jeff, um, I, I want to hear what you have to say before I jump back into this. Yeah, like so to me, I, I don't know. I think if you look at, look, John, the reason why I even kind of bring it up is the fact that I think Josh Morrissey has been the clear option for C, right? I, I don't think anyone mm-hmm. denies you know, for all the reasons that, that Kenny just mentioned. I mean, you talk about, you know, how much money Josh Morrissey makes, how, you know, how, how big of an impact he, he has on the team, you know, clearly having a great year this year. I just, here's what, here's what my issue with Josh. And look, Josh Morrissey, if he was the captain, would be a terrific captain. Okay. He would be an, he would be a great captain. Anyone that's had a chance. I mean, you could ask any writer, any broadcaster, any reporter who's covered this team will tell you, that Josh Morrissey is a stand-up human being and, and makes the time and all those other things. This is my small edge to Adam Lowry. Is that I've you've seen it already, right? The burden of having a letter, that burden weighed heavily on Blake Wheeler for a while. Now I'm not saying that Josh Morrissey isn't going to be able to handle the C, but we've already kind of seen Josh Morrissey need to be almost like I mean he got a break leading up to the all-star break because he didn't talk because he didn't want to talk to the media anymore now I'm not saying a captain only talks to the media but you saw during stretches of the down parts of the Winnipeg Jets that Josh Morrissey rode the wave of emotion in my opinion when he was low he was low when he was high he was high Adam Lowry to me is constantly at a certain level of composure and that's the only thing I think he has an edge for Morrissey obviously you know I think it comes down to it Morrissey's getting the, the, the captains but I think Adam Lowry and people have mentioned on here too has been a terrific a he's a terrific leader he shows up consistently every night I'm not saying Josh Morrissey doesn't do that and obviously Adam Lowry went 30 plus games without a goal but I'm just saying that he's I don't think I guess my point in all this is I don't think there's a wrong choice there I don't think if they went with 17 that everyone For would sure. be like this isn't the right guy and if they went with Josh Morrissey that it would be somehow a, a bad decision either I just think Adam Lowry and my point in the beginning was I think he's making a case for himself you know whereas I don't think that was the I think Josh Morrissey for a long time was the clear-cut guy that was going to get the C and almost I'd argue that we all just assume that was eventually going to be it but the greater question about whether or not this team needs a C versus an A this team needs to probably get the old C out of the locker room before they start anointing another C and I think that's probably the move, and I think next year you will see a captain. 
and just sorry, just a quick one, Sean, before you get rolling. All the things that you said, Jeff, are why Lowry will be a perfect alternate going forward because he will be able to have the pressure valve release for those times when Josh is feeling some of the heat. That That's how I view it. And, and that's kind of almost what makes him an even more perfect choice to stay where he is in terms of um, providing support in that in that regard. Before we get into it, I'll, I'll, I'm going to say something to this before we move on to a new topic. But like, hey, we've heard too much good music on this show, but you can never hear too much good music on this show until you've heard Sean's headband. So let's make this a Sean's headband version of the Kenny and Randy show. Guys, I truly don't know if this is a Winnipeg thing uh, or not. I'll, I'll say this. You know the saying, winning cures all. I've always thought in Winnipeg, boy, oh, boy, people can forget a lot of really, really bad hockey and a lot of crazy, obvious problems and fires and smoke signals with just a couple of wins. Um, and, it, like, the, you know, you're seeing it here right now. People are going crazy in, in the chat room. This is like... The Winnipeg Jets aren't afraid of anyone, and the Winnipeg Jets are matching up with everyone at this stage right now. Like, I'm not saying that the Winnipeg Jets can't do something in the playoffs, but this is really, really bold talk coming out of, you know, a team that has basically had, you know, it had one of the easiest schedules down the stretch. Uh, that's what, you know, that teams that take advantage of that usually get somewhere. A lot of times when you see teams on an absolute roll, like the Edmonton Oilers are, you'll see that a lot of that roll has come against teams that are fairly easy teams. I'm not saying I don't think the Jets can do something. I'm saying like the bravado that comes out of what we've seen from here right now, I think is is always a little bit rich, a little bit much. And I, I consider this to be part of it. Comet says we don't need a captain right now. This comes across to me as an arrogant statement. And why? Because of exactly what I was talking about before. How can you not look at the Jets situation where they had three different assistant captains, no clear captain, down the stretch on a team that almost fumbled uh, a playoff spot when it should have been near impossible for them to fumble that. The idea of who you follow, who stands up in the room at a time like that and leads the way and and to, to not explore the idea that potentially there was not a clear-cut voice or a direction to follow while the Jets faltered here is insane to me that people wouldn't want to to explore that we just shut their brains off and say man we just beat the minnesota wild and we're in the playoffs don't worry about anything like that before i'm not saying a captain needs to be named right now what i will say is the idea that you know everything is fine in jets land because they limped you know limped into the playoffs as the eighth seed after squandering a lead they never should have squandered and examining a team that had to get, you know, to Jeff's point of what he thinks needs to be done, that the old scene needs to be moved out of the room before you can move on with the next generation to take a look at the idea of what impact that had on this team. And then the impact of where people were looking for leadership when you had three A's and not necessarily knowing, do, do we know that it was a unified message the entire time? I think some of the things we heard behind the scenes in the 
the room this year was that certain factions were going in certain directions. Uh, I think the idea that a captain would have been important in a year like this and may have even helped down the stretch uh, is something that we have to explore. I'm not saying it definitely would have fixed things, but to not take a look and say that the fact that they didn't have a captain, a single leader head, leadership figure figurehead while this was all happening is not something that should be explored. It just brings me back down to the idea that I think one of my cases for Josh Morrissey being the MVP down the stretch here was he, in a lot of games, put the team on his back down the stretch. If you think around that game where he had that great third period with the uh, St. Louis Blues, but that never dragged them out of it. And the reason why I'm so fascinated by Jeff's assertion of Adam Lowry pulling himself into the you know the competition for the captain is I do think more than anybody else down the stretch here to get the Winnipeg Jets back to the style of hockey they needed to play to be successful. It was Adam Lowry who started going, guys, we need to get to the net, and I'm going to go there, and I'm going to show you, and you need to follow me. And I do think more than anyone right now, if I were giving credit to someone on the Winnipeg Jets on why their game more resembles what they did at the beginning of the year, I think more than anyone, more than Connor Hellebuck, more than Blake Wheeler or Mark Shifley, more than the other assistants on this team, I think that you have to hand it to Adam Lowry as the player who got this team back to the identity that they lost for so much of this season. Let's talk about the tilt and the hit on Ehlers. Uh, wow. I, I sorry. On all conversation with that. Boom. Well, people, people, are, hey, people are calling for our heads because we're talking about the captain too much. These people are too, aren't excited about our captain talk. So let's, uh, let's oh, appease wow. the, That's, let's appease uh, the I guess, sorry. I guess uh, they get One they last bit. Uh, Hellbuck should be captain. I like, it's all common in there. I agree with that. Hellbuck should be the eighth, NH, eighth goalie to be named NHL captain. Maybe he'll There you go. <laughs> Good stuff. Right, moving on. Um, let's move on to that. Before we do that, give Sweet Lou a shout out there, Ken. Yeah, for all the folks who have realty needs that they'd like to have met, whether you're buying, selling, curious what the house on the corner is running for, or maybe curious about moving to another neighborhood, contact our main man, Lou Furlan at Royal LePage Dynamic Realty, 204-791-9971, or at the office, 204-989-5000. His email is lou at louferlan.ca, that's L-O-U at L-O-U-F-U-R-L-A-N.ca. And his website with all of his listings, www.louferlin.ca. Lou Ferlin, excellent realtor, excellent human being, and excellent supporter of the community, including this program for which we are eternally grateful. Absolutely love Sweet Lou. And while we're at it, while we're giving shout-outs, let's give a shout-out uh, to the folks at uh, Cambrian Credit Union who've been along for the ride. Uh, our listeners know that both Ken and I are proud Cambrian members, and we are excited today to talk about their cash-back mortgage, Cambrian Credit Union's Cashback Mortgage is back. Get pre-approved for a Cambrian mortgage by May 31st and qualify for up to $3,500 cashback. Apply, book, and meet online. Visit cambrian.mb.ca slash cashback. For details, subject to credit approval, conditions apply. Jeff, I am going to start with you because you came out and said you like the rough stuff. Uh, That's a dangerous take in this day and age. I'm glad that you're able to stand behind your convictions. What did you take away from uh, all the extracurriculars tonight? I love hockey when it's played with emotion. I mean, look, I'm not an advocate for headshots or concussions or all those things. Look, you know what? You can go and talk about how hockey's moving towards skill, and it obviously is. Um, you know, there's guys that play in this league now that are that 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 probably would never even had a shot 
based on their size that that we're certainly moving that way but i love that stuff i mean i just the emotion it boils over if you were to if you were to ask any locker room across the 32 nhl teams who thinks fighting is important in the game for the emotion for check, all those things we talked about for ch- keeping things in check yada yada I'd say it's 100% or 90-something percent of people would want fighting in the game. And to me, that is playoff hockey because it matters, right? It matters so much that you want to put yourself, your body in, in harm's way to whether it's support your teammate, whether it's to send a message at the end of the game, whether it's to, you know, fire up your teammates. And, and to me, I think, you know, a, lo- a little bit of the unnecessary stuff at the end, I already mentioned it, Adam Lowry doesn't need to fight Ryan Reeves. Adam Lowry is a is a more important player for the Jets than Ryan Reeves is for the Wild. But at the same time, you talk about respect of your teammates, there's not a single guy in that damn locker room who doesn't respect Adam Lowry for that kind of stuff. Same thing with Brendan Dillon, right? I mean, he leads the team in hits. He brings a level of physicality that's necessary that forces players, skilled players, you know, much like like much the makeup of, of Minnesota Wild to look over their shoulder, to second-guess things. So for me... I thought that was frustration boiling over, certainly from the home side, but matching it, I think there was plenty of frustration from the Jets side. They're happy they got in, but this has not been a fun six weeks for these guys. And, you know, Josh Morrissey touched on it earlier about how, about how you know, they've been hearing the noise since January about how this team's no good and, and how they're, you know, they're falling out of favor and they're not going to make the playoffs, all that stuff. And that, that's, you know, that was valid for a long time i just think at the end of the game when you have that guy out there you have the coaches bickering at each other you have all that extracurricular activity it's because there's two teams that care and don't want to you know don't want to step down from one another and that to me is the definition of 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 good playoff hockey yeah and let's be honest guys not enough hate in the national hockey league anymore and not enough intensity between most teams because most of the good players have played with most of these players on the way up whether it's at a world junior team or u18 or team west or whatever is being played so i love the fact that these guys went at it and anyone who i don't know if they showed it on tv sean or not you can tell me if they did if they didn't pan to the jets bench they went nuts after the fight and yeah. even though it wasn't a you know yes he got the takedown a couple big bombs thrown but just the fact that when you are willing to step up against the toughest player in the league, totally. and like Jeff said, Lowry's putting way more on the line than Reeves is in that fight, with all due respect to Reeves. Lowry plays a massive role on his team. Reeves is an energetic fourth liner who knows his job. Um, the fact that Lowry did take the fight, Sean, to me, this reminds me of when he took the fight in Vegas. That happened, I th- was it not in the 2018 season? And that got the Jets feeling really good about themselves maybe it was the year after i'm not 100 sure either way uh, i love the fact that he was willing to do it he was looking over at reeves reeves was snatching the stick of the left winger and adam was like i, I thought he actually wasn't even going to bother taking the draw and that he would line up beside him good on him for going a couple of things how in the world is it not boarding on reeves he was yeah, pushing was on the back of Demello basically from the top of the circles on. And if Dylan DeMello is not a smart player and knows that Reeves is going to run him into the end boards and braces himself, he could have ended up with a serious injury. And if he flops around on the ice like Johansson did after a cross-check in the ribs, it's a five-minute major. Like, this is absolutely ridiculous. And the fact that that is a major, 
the re- in a game where the referees lost control of the game because it got too intense for them, to call that a major as a way to try to calm the game down is an absolute joke. That play happens five times a game. Did he get him in the ribs? Yes. Was it a minor oh, penalty? No. It's no. not a Sean. You think that's oh, a major God. penalty? Give me a oh, break. Oh yeah. Not even. Oh yeah. Close. That was that was an no. intent to injure. Come that on. That was an intent to injure. Come on. Say wake up. Just say it. Get no. it out of your system. It's okay. Do it, man. That Just was give it, so. Give it so you think okay. that's a major? That is a wake up. So, I'm sorry. I don't. That's yeah, not well, even close. Give, it's not give even give close. Give me a wake up. You are in, you are insanely wrong on this one. That he pushed him into the boards. He leaned his stick on his ribs and pushed him into the boards. There's no windup. <laughs> There's no windup. Not even close. That's a, that is an int- intent to injure. That is right on the floating ribs. That is he went out to do exactly what he did there, and he sat on the bench knowing that. And when he got the five, he basically was like, "Yeah, and I'm okay with it." That was not. That is not even close to a hockey play. It was the one thing there that you could, you can't argue out of all of them. There's like no. There's no way to say, like, in the Ehlers thing, I think, even though I don't think it was this, I think Hartman can say, well, I turned and I looked and I saw a guy coming and I was trying to give him as good as I, I got, right? Whereas I think, really, he was just trying to nail the guy. With, 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 with the Reeves situation, I think he can say, well, we were just playing intense. I was trying to go in there. Yeah, you're, you're, you're making it sound like this was a little tap, and uh, I'll be honest. I didn't say it was like, a tap. Jo- Johansson I said it was a minor. Was, Johansson was hurt. You were, like, making fun of him rolling around on ice. That guy got pelted in the floating ribs. Neil Pionk knew exactly what he was doing there. He brought it down underneath his arm and gave it to him right up into the floating ribs. That was, that was he was trying to meet out punishment there, and I'm okay with that. But let's not go and try and dust this off as though this, this was a nothing and that the refs were out of their mind there. I don't think the refs were trying to get control of the game here. The refs were handing out a, a five-minute major to a guy who went out and intentionally tried to hurt someone in that situation. That's what happened in that situation. This isn't about managing the game. And, yes, they lost the management of the game. They lost it when they didn't call Reeves on that hit there. Reeves' face, he turns around after that and has a look, and it's basically like, that's what they're going to do here. They're going to let me run around. Well, then let's get crazy. You guys think you guys want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. He went out after that in that situation. But uh, this it's a problem is, with the mega powers yeah. here. This is a WrestleMania mega yeah, yeah, powers you know, as you issue. Guys are, as you guys argue, Sean, or, Jeff, what's com- your take? I was just reading some of the comments, and and I just need to clear up some things. When I say I like the extracurricular activity, I like the legalization of fighting. You know, like. I, I get it. It's, it's actually illegal to get a penalty. I'm not talking about the cross checks. I'm not talking about, uh, and 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 I'm not talking about um, any intention to hurt e- Nikolai Ehlers. To be quite honest with you, and I'm putting myself in a Minnesota Wild jersey for a moment. Okay, if Nikolai Ehlers wants to run around and start going to hit guys, the the, the hit that he faced from that, while he didn't have the puck and was called for a penalty, rightfully so. Nikolai Ehlers was running around trying to drill guys. This guy took a situation where he took advantage of a vulnerable situation to a certain degree, but he had the puck, and Ehlers was heading towards him. Now, he got a penalty, rightfully so. Jets got a power play, but Ehlers was running around in his own end trying to, you know, hit people. So, like, to me, that's exactly what I want my teammate to do. Lay a shoulder into him and be what it is. I think Neil Pionk, I don't know if it's a major... But I do agree with you in the sense that I think that's purposeful. Like, I think he's meaning to hurt, and I think that needs to be taken out of the game. No one likes the, you know, that's a vulnerable spot on the ribs. 
cross checks was pretty vicious to a certain degree, but I don't know. Like, and same thing with, with Reeves, like how you don't get called for that boarding. That was such an obvious boarding call that, you know, you could have, I wouldn't have given five for that obviously, but like a little bit heavier, you're probably getting five for that. Like if he doesn't get up off the ice and is injured, you're probably getting something more serious for that. But you know, that, you know, he got up, but to to, be, to to watch that, that that to me was bananas. And I agree with a lot of the comments here. I don't often get into officiating and talking about officiating, but I do think they lost the script. We, ha- we have to on this night. We have I know. To, I, hey, think listen. They, I think they did lose the script at the end. I think they allowed this stuff to happen. They allowed it to be pent up. But I also think that it was it was it was very much or very similar to most playoff games. Yeah. You're not going to be called. You're not going to have a parade to the box. In a playoff game, you usually hide your whistles a little bit more. We all know the rules somewhat change. And so I thought it was in line with that. By the end of it, I think you need to look at 75 on the end of the ice, tee him up and get him out. You know what I mean? Like there's certain things that you just need to realize is happening in the game. No one's, there is no comeback here. There's just, you know, and and, 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 and in essence, the ref should be taking care of the, doing as much as they possibly can to, take care of the health of the players and i think at the end of the game there that was just unnecessary in so many different ways and i think could have been could have been prevented with a little bit you know a little bit more more leadership if you will uh seems to be the key word tonight by the by the official by the officials so i'm going to say something here i've talked about this in the past with the winnipeg jets and i thought that they've had a real that they've really had their fingers on the pulse of what the league is trying to do and i'm a big believer that the league is trying to take the players policing the game out of the game and we go back to that i was talking about this uh uh, er earlier on Uh, if you go back and you remember that dylan Demello play in that game against the carolina hurricanes where something's happening the uh, a jet throws a hit the carolina hurricanes go in for retribution and the the officials just allow the play to continue on and dylan Demello heads down the ice and goes and scores a goal because he's basically the refs are basically saying we'll tell you what's a bad hit you don't get to place yourself we do it the Jets, better than almost anyone else in the league right now, I think, have followed suit with what the NHL wants. And what the NHL wants is they want the refs to take care of things. This is the problem. Is on a night like this when the refs get it wrong and the refs aren't protecting the players. I thought that the Jets were a little bit late to the party in, in, in policing the game, right? Like they sat back and they waited for the officials to do something. And I thought that there was a bit of a crucial moment there when Nino Niederreiter and Reeves are going after it and they're kind of roughing it up. If you notice on that play, uh, uh, Blake Wheeler is carrying the puck and he's carrying it across the blue line and everyone sees something going on behind the play and they kind of go to stop, but then they go to continue going because they're thinking, well, no, we're supposed to play to the whistle or what, whatever. But you could see in that moment, it was like the Winnipeg Jets as a hockey team thought, Forget this. We're not allowing ourselves to be controlled by refs who aren't protecting us in this game. We're going to go out and we're going to protect ourselves in this situation. And that's why it got out of control. But this is why I think that that's a problem, because I think what's happening right now is the refs, as they always do, are changing the standard as we go into the playoffs. They're allowing a lot more stuff. And so what happens is if you're going to allow the refs to let Ryan Reeves board your player and not call it and you're not going to have a response and then Ryan Reeves is just going to continue doing it things are going to get out of control and if you're the Jets and you don't start policing the game yourself 
then then it's going to be a problem. I think in this situation, the Jets, it took them a little bit to arrive on it, but they arrived on placing the game themselves. They did a good job of it once it happened. Throw Brendan Dillon in there as well, who grabbed Hartman as soon as he had the opportunity and gave him a pounding. Adam Lowry standing up. You knew it was going to head there in the end. I thought that he waited at the right time. The Jets didn't allow themselves to get suckered in and lose a game or blow a lead by engaging in all the extracurriculars when it still mattered. They made sure they stood up for themselves at the right time. But I do think that the refs, in the way they were calling that game, left the Jets vulnerable for far too long in that game. Well, and the other reason was they called it even up with Nino and Reeves, where Reeves clearly punched him on the back of the helmet on the way down. What Nino got two for receiving in that situation, which, I mean, good on him for taking it. But, I mean, that was just absolutely bizarro land and you know what having said all that i you know what i wish i wish the jets were playing the wild a week from today who wouldn't want to see these guys play in a playoff series where the temperature is cranked to 11 from the very beginning i mean the jets can only hope to have this kind of level of intensity whether they open up against the vegas golden knights or edmonton oilers in round one there's another thing we can't get there's one thing on the on, on, on the on the refing part I felt like with all the stuff that was going on late in the game, it was almost like the refs were trying to play this mental tally for like, okay, this yes. guy did this, this team did that. Okay, now it's evened out. I'm not going to penalize. And then it got so out of control, you had no other decision but to call things. And I think that make, people made a lot of comments here about, I th- and you, you did too, Sean, about the refs need to realize who's on the ice, what's happening, and, and do something before it gets to that point not after it gets to that point. No doubt. Um, guys, we one last go. quick one. Sorry, Hammy, remember? What a, the game was super flat until the third in terms of atmosphere in the building. The it was nothing. It oh. was brutal. Like they, the, wild were, the fans were booing the Wild off the ice at the end of the second <laughs> period. Like it, was, it was hilarious. It, it was it was the power play though, right? It, it was the five on three, and yeah, that they yeah. were passing the puck around. It was, I mean, it's not an overall thing. They were booing the the act in that power play. It wasn't well, that man, they, like, you, lost whatever. You're the leaving team. the ice, was, and your fans are booing you. You had four shots in the second period, much like the Jets only had four shots in the first. Like the Wild, right. like the it, like the like the Wild did not look good for a good chunk. I thought they the the irony of it all though was of the four shots, and we've seen this with the Jets before. Um, the four shots that Minnie had in the second period were of better quality than the Jets' 12 <laughs> in that period. So it's just, you know, it, I don't know. This this is a crazy barn, and it wasn't a crazy barn until they scored early in the third period and then at yep. the end of the game. Like, the Jets did – getting those two goals was critical for getting this crowd out of the game because you can feel the energy um, from the fans in this building, and, and the Wild didn't get that for a large chunk of the game. Sean, quick one: no penalty or no no penalty on Barron on the back pressure, stripping Matt or uh, sorry Matt Boldy of the puck, getting it going north uh, on that play. Did you think it should have been hooking or something on the back pressure, which led to the rush the other direction where Barron got the puck and found Appleton for the insurance marker? Oh, I thought it was a penalty. Yeah, I thought that the the crowd was going nuts. I thought well, they, they were, you yeah. know, based by based on the. Uh, uh, but it, again, maybe this is a game-to-game thing, like because I think I was thinking about that last that last game um, in which uh, 
I think I'm thinking about the Sharks one where Mark Shifley, doesn't he draw a penalty early against the San Jose Sharks and he's being chased down. It's a two-on-one or something like that. And the player's kind of reaching around and tapping uh, and he never gets his stick in the hands. So I, I think I, I think based on... on I, th- I think it, games like this can be weird because the standard in this game was so much different than in the standard in the games that we just were talking about. Like, what, what's the... Is it Rasmus Anderson? That hit that Pierre-Luc Dubois hits him, and that's a boarding oh, yeah. hit. It's like, yes. it's like so two games ago, that's a boarding hit. But what <laughs> Ryan Reeves does tonight is not a boarding hit. Like, give me a break. This is so out to lunch. So I think what happened in that situation is maybe it's one of these situations where, well, if that's the standard in the last game of what a penalty is, I thought that was. The, the, it just goes to show you this on this night, and we know we don't like to talk about the refs, uh, but you cannot – you, you can't not talk about the refs in a game like this because they really created a situation. Like they literally brought a powder keg into the middle of the ice and set it on fire in their act. So you have to talk about it, but they were just so much different than the standard we've seen set in the na- last couple of games. And it really kind of leaves you discombobulated on what is a, what, what's a, what's a penalty and what is not Guys, we cannot go. We cannot go without talking more about uh, Connor Hellebuck. Um, Ken, this is one of those nights where it's, it looks very strongly like Connor Hellebuck is the MVP of the Winnipeg Jets. Um, I just wanted you to have your say on him before we shut it down. Uh, just an incredible block of games here. 13th consecutive start. League leading 64th. Now, with Nashville being eliminated, I would imagine Soros will only start one of the two uh, final games. So I guess I could technically leave them tied. Uh, funny, funny moment. I'm not sure if people saw it or not. When I, when I, I was, I thought I was asking Rick if he was giving Connor the day off. He thought I was telling him what to do uh, <laughs> in terms of starting David Riddick. Uh, I said, I'm not telling you what to do. It's just a suggestion. But. Uh, Hellebuck was excellent uh, at a time where the Jets were a little bit discombobulated, to use a good word, Sean, out of the gate. Uh, Hellebuck, you know, not super taxed early, but he had to make some big saves. I, I've just thought that during the stretch, uh, even in the games where he didn't have a lot of work, Connor just got himself locked into the mode where he made hard saves look routine and he made highlight reel saves when they were necessary. But his positioning has been excellent. His rebound control has been fantastic. And he's really in a groove right now. And goalie coach Wade Flaherty has him in an excellent place going into the playoffs. And he's the Jets' best chance at anything. And right now, Connor is playing at a level we have seen before. Sean, we've talked about this before. Connor Hellebuck, this would be an opportunity for him to continue to put a team on his back and to outplay a netminder at the other end of the rink and by a significant margin. And if he does that, the Jets might have a chance to play beyond one round. But I thought he was excellent today on a lot of fronts. Take a run at it, Hammy. I just think the most impressive thing about Connor Hellebuck is just his composure. You know, he's always seems poised. He never seems rattled. You never see him, you know, it's, which is funny because he, <laughs> he has a tendency to get pretty rattled in practice. Um, but in a game, you know, it just doesn't phase them. And, we, you know, bonus Rick Bonus talks a lot about timely goals, timely saves. Well, Connor Hellebuck is always coming up with timely saves, and particularly on a game like tonight, whether it's stopping the breakaway, uh, whether it's, you know, just, you know, Ryan Reeves in close. Just There's there's all these hiccups that the Jets yeah. have during a game, you know, two or three of them where it's just bad positioning or, or, grad, or grad playing. Um, 
and and it's just one of those things where it's just like he just makes that save, right? I mean, the, this guy is this guy is the leader of this team. Uh, you know, he brings it every single night. He's consist he's consistent. He's well respected. And for those reasons, Sean, I'd like to reintroduce the captain. <laughs> Captain conversation and say, give it to 37. 37 is the, the Jets' next captain. Book it. 2000, 2023-24. Here we go. Connor Helbuck's leading the future, leading the group into the future, wearing the C. Maybe with so, an extension. We'll see. So, yeah, Connor Hellebuck. Uh, yeah. Accentuate the maybe. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, last one. Uh, Sorry, Sean. I want to just share this quote. I I told Hellebuck that about Shifley's comment that today's game should have won him the Vesna. His reaction for those who didn't see it. I was thinking about that a little bit during the year. That's too much of a personal thing. I want to be part of the team. I don't really care about the individual accolades. So I took that right out of my mind and I've just been focusing on the next goal and that's winning a cup. Now that we're near the end, I'd be proud to be nominated and I'd be proud to make a good run here. So he's shared that kind of a comment before. We know that that's not new, but it's interesting that he admitted that there was a stretch where he was starting to think about the Vesna again and then kind of put that on the back burner after the Jets sort of went through that tough phase where they weren't playing the way that they did in the first 30 games of the season. And just to answer Zin's, Zin's question, uh, there's been... Roberto Luongo was the most recent captain. He was the seventh goaltender in NHL history to be named a captain and the first since Bill Dernan captained the Montreal Canadiens in the 1947-1948, after which the league implemented the rule. Um, I just want to take a run at what what, uh, we're seeing from Connor Hellebuck on this night. He was absolutely sublime. You take a look at... I, I just thought in this situation, even those empty nets where the guys are hitting the post, like I, I, I give him credit for that. Like on a night like tonight, I give him credit for that because you could see in this, in uh, you know, it's not just the stick save. I think it's the uh, the redirection in tight uh, that it, that you know probably should have gone in on any other goaltender, and he reaches back and absolutely stabs that one and steals it. Like we're honestly looking at a game that is maybe five, two, six, two, uh, at some point. If, if, if Connor Hellebuck isn't doing what he's doing, you touched on it, Ken. He, his, his base save tonight was brilliant, right? Like the, the, yeah. the jets really did. And, and I'll go back to what I said at the beginning of the show. This is not the blueprint by which you want to go into the playoffs playing with, because they put Connor Hellebuck through far, far too much on this night. But Everything that he was stopping um, was like there were a lot, a lot of challenging shots out there tonight. So the way that he came out tonight, he was in God mode. This is playing. This is playing NES hockey 2023 with the game genie on. This is like not fair. This is defying the laws of physics. The corner of the net. This is this. I I just I take a look at this the, the way that he played here tonight. This was just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, he steals the game for them. You got to hope that he can carry that and do that going into the playoffs. I'll, I'll say this: we said it on the last couple of years of Kenny and Rennie, uh, and I contend this. Everyone uh, and sorry, I do want to go back on this just quickly and say this. This to me is why. So on one of the other nights, like Connor Hellebuck is the first star of this game. 
by a long shot. He's the first star of this game. And sometimes because he allowed a goal, they won't give the goaltender a star in the game or the first star in the game because they allowed the goal. I think that is just as stupid as it is sometimes to give a goaltender the first star when they get a shutout but weren't very much challenged in this game. I know people get all upset and they get pissy with me because they want me to say that every shot that Connor Hellebuck ever stops is a shot that no other goalie could have stopped and that every goal that is scored on couldn't have possibly shot he couldn't have possibly stopped it and that no other goalie ever could have stopped it I know people want me to say that every game that Connor Hellebuck plays David Riddick couldn't have possibly won that game to me, it's paying respect to Connor Hellebuck on nights like there were a few nights ago where they had the shutout that give credit to the team that played around him in that game because the team game is what won them those games. But on a night like tonight, this is why I say two nights or two games ago when they played the Nashville Predators that I don't think that he was the best player in that game. He was the fourth or fifth best player in that game, even though he had the shutout. And I say that because it's easy to just go and say that. And then on a night like tonight, you know, go in a different direction. Connor Hellebuck deserves to be praised beyond measure on a night like tonight because he played beyond measure. So me on other nights saying, you know, on a shutout night that he wasn't absolutely sublime is me pointing out what I think is the absolute truth, that the Winnipeg Jets defensive system won them that game and didn't leave him challenged very often in that game. A night like tonight, Connor Hellebuck is the backbone that gets the Winnipeg Jets a win on this night. He was Hang this on. to me. Maybe Are you ready to say it or no? Are you ready or are we going to wait till Thursday? You gonna say for it what? tonight or no? What are you, you gonna uh, do it, man? I, I, I don't say Hellebuck's the MVP. It's, it's I don't so agree with close. You it's on the tip no. of your tongue. It's so close. You sure? No, it's not so happening. <laughs> I love well, how brave Kenny. I love how brave <laughs> Ken gets on days where he has a good game, and then on the Josh Morrissey days. How about the month, how quiet man? He gets how quiet he gets. Quiet. You're, you're, I praise Morrissey when he listen, plays well. I'll tell you. I'll tell Sean. you right now. Down the stretch here, the Winnipeg Jets team game deserves a Grab ton your popcorn, of popcorn, guys. Let's we went through. Overtime. We went through a situation where a stretch of games where Connor Hellebuck couldn't win a game, and guess what? You didn't do at that time, or no one in the chat room. No one turned around and said Connor Hellebuck is playing really poorly. He can't win a game. Why? Because that's not the fact of the matter. The fact of the matter is it was somewhere in between where the Jets were playing and how he was playing. Just like down the stretch here to say and look at those numbers and be like, well, he's just absolutely unstoppable, is not giving the credit to the Jets game that they deserve. The Jets ran teams out of the rink for the last little while, and Connor Hellebuck didn't need to be good, and it's okay. It doesn't make him a bad goaltender that he doesn't need to be good, but hanging numbers during an absolutely dominant stretch for the Winnipeg Jets team and saying that it's all Connor Hellebuck is a ridiculous assertion. Tonight, you just he said deserves he was, the credit he yeah, gets. Right, I guess you said tonight he was godlike. God mode. He he was godlike, no doubt about it. And uh, hey, I call it I calls it like I sees it. Okay, before we shut it down here, we got to uh, have uh, we got to have our home field. Um, uh, give me a second here. Let me find this. Our home yeah, field dig deeper promo. It is time to throw a spotlight on the comments and choose a standout for the home field dig deeper award. For that, we are going to go to. Um, where am I going with this? Uh, Oh, here we go. I'm going to Maurice Ed, who says, Lou called a playoff clinch months before Rennie. I think Lou is the only one who could have done that. Uh, good job by Maurice Ed on this comment here. Uh, thank you, Maurice Ed, for your winning comment. That just like Maurice Ed, uh, Homefield is always going to dig deeper to find the best marketing solution for your company. Find out how at myhomefield.ca. 
Uh, you know what to do, Maurice. At direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds. Send me your full name and send me an email, and I will send you your voucher for your very own Kenny and Rennie trunk shovel, which you may be using to dig, uh, you know, tiny little ditches in the ground to try and get the water flowing out of your property. That's the stage that we're at here. Not much snow left here. Um, gentlemen, do you have anything to say before we go? No, uh, it'll be an interesting tilt. We're looking at a nice, nice day in Denver, and yeah, see what the game brings. And then next game, we can talk more about the potential opponent. Uh, For those who have not been paying attention to the out-of-town scoreboard, it is down to two teams. It will be the Vegas Golden Knights or the Edmonton Oilers, I believe, in round one for the Winnipeg Jets. So... We'll dig into that a little bit more. So Vegas carries a two-point lead into the final game of the season. They will play the Kraken once again. The Oilers will close out against the San Jose Sharks. And then we'll see where it's at from there. No doubt. Uh, All right. Thank you, everybody. Great job, Hammer. It's always great to hear your music. Always great to see you. Always biting commentary, and I absolutely love that. Ken, great job tonight. Chat room, you were on as well, uh, and I will say this, uh, as I always say, if you appreciate the conversations happening in these spaces, please, please appreciate the contributions by our sponsors who fight to keep these conversations going in these spaces. For us, that is Vittorio Rossi, the TransCanada Brewing Company, the Johnston Group, Cambrian Credit Union, Lou Furlan, and Homefield. Thank you so much to them. Thank you so much to you all. It's all clinched. Maybe a bit of a nothing game on uh, game 82, but stick around, uh, come see us, and we'll talk about it anyways. Uh, Last game of the season before the Jets go to the playoffs and we find out who they will be playing in the first round. That's happening on Thursday as these two boys head off to Denver. See you later, everybody. The Kenny and Rennie Show is brought to you by Homefield. Cambrian Credit Union. Lou Ferlin. Trans-Canada Brewing, Vittorio Rossi, and Johnston Group.